Welcome to Better by Great Place to Work, the global authority on workplace culture. I'm your host, Rula Amiri, Content Director at Great Place to Work. On this episode, we speak with Rick Jackson, EVP Engagement and Enablement at Deutsch Post DHL Group. We are very happy to have you here. It's nice to be here. Thank you very much. You're not only one of the 100 best companies to work for in the U.S., you are world's best, number I know. one. Congratulations. Second year in a row. Amazing. Se- yes. yes. Yeah. How does it make you feel? Amazing. It just makes me feel so, so happy because it just shows the, the company that we've got and the people in it um, that really qualify it. And that's it, really. So um, oh, it's just, you know, we couldn't be happier. Really couldn't be happier. Yeah. What would you say to leaders who say, you know, hourly f- and frontline workers are hard to engage just in general? Uh, I, it, it's a really tough question because I don't think they are. <laughs> and, and I haven't had the experience to say, are they hard or it's been hard, um, if I'm honest. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. then I suppose I could also say that I'm not in the operational side on that front line to engage them. Mm-hmm. But what we are doing is we're engaging them from the group level into the business. If we want to really engage the front line, we need to speak to them in their language. Mm-hmm. Now, that isn't just about what words we use, it's also about the language that they speak in. So we have to go into our population. If we want to engage our front line with anything we do, we make a point of translating anything into that front line. And we can get to 95% of our 110,000 people with around 42 languages. So everything we do, doesn't matter what it is, whether it's the cultural development, whether it's the skills development, whether it's anything to do with leadership behaviors or onboarding and engagement, gets translated into 42 languages so that they get it in their own language and they understand that it's relevant for them. And it's an easy thing because people can sometimes forget that. So that's, that's a very achievable. It's a very achievable thing. Yeah. I think the second piece and is is around the identity of what it means, mm-hmm. and how do you connect them that group to something? And what we've done is we've tried to sort of let's say gamify the whole situation. Everyone everyone understands the game. And you know when we were doing the focus session um, in the, uh, the the position around our certified program, Fadzlon, our HR director globally mm-hmm. was talking about how you know um there, there's this whole gamification element that comes with human beings of collection of stickers and stamps and Talk about the collections passport. the passport yeah so what we did was we created a passport to success in our organization where every single person whether you're the ceo or you're a courier or you're a customer service agent or a salesperson or an it or hr or finance any 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 person in our operation you get given a passport, and as you go through your journey within the company... And it looks just like a passport. It is a passport. We're talking about a passport. It's, it, it's identical. In fact, I can give you a funny story of this, because when we first created the, uh, the passport mm-hmm. in 2010, we came up with the idea of it, and we said, well, let's make it real. Let's make a real passport. It looked like a real passport. Well, well so we went to the company in the UK that makes the British passports, and the... Um, the, the cover yeah. is the same cover I that wonder. we use on passports. And the UK as a country ran out of passport paper when DHL placed their order because we needed to order over 100,000 of them oh my at once. So we basically stripped the whole of the UK country of passport covers 
because we wanted them for our passports in, our, just in the world. Because you order of 100,000, And we printed them all in one place in London, yeah. Anyway, that's a, just a sideline story. But the whole premise of that is it allow, everybody has one. So as you go through your journey, you're collecting stamps of completion. You're collecting, you know, awards of recognition within it. You know, you've got managers of our um, groups and countries signing it and, and leaving nice messages once they've finished a program to show how much they've achieved. That creates some form of gamification. It allows people to have an identity and it allows everybody to have the same thing. So you can compare. You can show people your passport. I could show you mine now. It's in my bag all the different stamps and stickers and we carry them around with us. So when I go to a facility yeah. and I could go to work Any with couriers facility. and I could go on a courier run yeah. and I could say to him, oh, show me your passport, I'll show you mine. Then we can compare our stamps and what we've got and it immediately makes a connection to the person on the front line. Yeah. So I, I sometimes... There's no better icebreaker yeah, than there that. There isn't. And, and, and this is where the connection element for me is the comfortability and the connection of that, which breaks all barriers and all boundaries. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's real, true connection and engagement with our front line. Um, and that goes in their own environment, but with anyone who visits, with anyone who works with them, if they, they meet anybody around the world who works for DHL as well, they have a common discussion point, the passport. And do they always pull out the passport? I mean, is that a usual yeah, You could. Common... We, we could challenge anybody, actually, anybody uh, who, they, if they see a DHL Express courier, could ask them about their certified international specialist program in their country. Um, and ask them if they've got their passport with them. Um, many countries, they carry them around with them in their pockets, in their uniform, um, the couriers. In yeah. some countries, they don't because they keep them safe within their environment. Mm-hmm. Um, but we try and encourage as many of them to keep them with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so if anyone asks, then you can show your passport to anyone. And yeah, I, I'd challenge anybody to go out and ask them. If they haven't got their passport, ask them about the programme ask them about what they do, but make sure it's a DHL Express courier with the CIS logo on their courier shirt, and then you can... Uh, they'll have it. Yeah. Share the story about the uh, colleague who lost his backpack somewhere, and um, he was most upset about his passport being... Yeah, it, well, being it was, a, it was a, one of our senior executives, actually, who uh, had his bag stolen, actually. Stolen. Stolen. Um, and in it was... His normal passport, his wallet, his laptop. His, you know, it, it's like your yeah. life. I mean, yeah. you know, if, it, you, sometimes I think to myself, how stupid could we possibly be to carry everything around with us? But we have to. It's the nature of what we do. Um, but the most thing that he was upset about was he'd lost his um, certified passport, his international specialist passport, because in it is his memories, are his memories, yeah. you know, are his stamps, his comments from... Um, senior executives who some, some have left the business now and you know you'd never oh, get your comments the- back and you know it becomes your sort of memento I think this is a great example because I'm going to make an assumption here and say many leaders might assume you know if you're engaging workers hourly workers frontline workers they may think typically it's from manager to employee you know boss to employee which of course there's a large place for that in terms of employee engagement but you're talking about connecting employee to employee yeah no matter the level who's managing whom that's all out the window so it's connecting your workforce which results in an engaged workforce yes versus many employee engagement programs are how can a manager connect with an employee yeah and, and you know 
it depends on what level of the program you talk about, really, to be fair. So we have um, many leadership programs where the leader will be facilitating the group. Mm-hmm. And that generally will be the leader of the people within the group or one of the leaders, let's say, of the mm-hmm. people within the group. So the, there is that there, that connection. That's a place. That's in the leadership place. But when right. we start to talk about the engagement side, so if we start to think about our onboarding, I'll just use that as an example. We mm-hmm. have a, a sort of foundation program onboarding into the hearts and minds of our business. You sit for a day and a half, you get facilitated through what our company's all about, what are our products, what's our network, how big are we in the world, what's important to us, what are our values, you know, how we want you to react and how we want you to behave and what it means to us in the organization, how we change the world, you know, how do we connect people and improve lives, which is our purpose and Mm -hmm. all the good we do. And it really grabs the emotional element. We want to get to the heart of the people in the business. Mm -hmm. When you look at that, that's where we have our colleagues facilitating people within the business. That's so, the part I think gets overlooked right. at and several companies. It's usually leadership, leadership communication right. only. Yeah, and maybe that, in, and in some instances it will be leaders, mm-hmm. but actually it's more about tenure. So we, what we want to do is if we've got new people coming into our organization, we'd love people who've been in the organization for a number of years who have a passion for using their experience, talking about their experience, to stand in front of the group and we'll, mm-hmm. we'll give them an opportunity to facilitate, we'll build mm-hmm. them up, to, we'll upskill them to facilitate, mm-hmm. to help them through that process. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's not the easiest thing in the world and then no one's perfect at this, you know, but it really helps that connection with colleagues in the business. And it's not just leaders standing up in front of it. You know, we're all in the room together. And actually within that room, if they're new and they're being onboarded into the business, it could be many different levels of seniority altogether because they're all being onboarded into the company. Right. And it's not about what leadership is. It's about the values and the culture of our organization. And that doesn't change based on hierarchy. Right, based on your title. So that touched on... Purpose, connecting purpose. As is connecting people, improving lives. That's, yeah. It's a big thing for us. That's your, and it yeah, couldn't be more company. relevant, to be fair, in the last few years. Um, because when you look at our business, and this is, connecting people, improving lives is not just a DHL Express purpose, just so be clear on that. Connecting people, improving lives is the purpose of Deutsche Post DHL Group. So all our businesses whether it's Deutsche Post as Mm -hmm. the German Post, whether it's the DHL Express organization, the supply chain organization, our global forwarding or freight business, Mm -hmm. our e-commerce business, or even our global business services, our back office functions, everybody has the same purpose. The company's built around connecting people, improving lives. And if you think about the best examples is the last few years. I mean, you just need to think about what's happened during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. You know, we as an organization didn't stop. Okay. If we were in an office base, which is 30% of our express business, I'll just talk about express just as one business. 30% of the business work in an office or in a customer service center or whatever. They go home overnight. But actually, the majority of our population, their jobs didn't change. Their yeah. jobs just got harder. Because we needed everybody to be working. We had to use our bank of engagement we've built over the years to help them through it. Right. We had to protect them. We needed them to have a safe environment Mm -hmm. that they needed to work in because what happened? Everybody started to buy online. So the volume that was going through the network and the way the world was locking down and opening up and moving around and the, the way that our network was agile enough to shift, it meant the business literally exploded. 
So it wasn't just the fact that we had normal volumes with this challenge. We had extended volumes, record, record volumes with the same challenge. But everybody rallied around the same purpose, that we were actually connecting people and improving their lives because that's what we were actually doing with them because everyone was at home and they needed to buy and they bought everything online. Because actually, if we can say, you may be a courier delivering, then you can see your massive impact because you're delivering things to people. So you know you're connecting people and you're improving their lives because you're delivering every day. Mm-hmm. If you're in a warehouse and you're in the sort, yeah. and you may be in the middle of the night and it's cold and it's wet and you've still got PPE on and you're sorting the, the parcels around the network mm-hmm. or you're doing pick and pack in one of the supply chain warehouses, you understand that if you don't do your particular role, you're, mu- you're part of a much bigger cog in the organization that really is, at the end, improving the lives of the customer and ensuring that we're connecting people, improving lives, then we understand what your role does. You're not just a picker or a packer. You're not just a warehouse sort worker. You're crucial in the supply chain to make, make sure... And you make sure those warehouse workers know that. That's it. We're connecting people and we're improving their lives and yeah. they're part of that. Yeah. And if you remind people of that and you educate people of that and you, you constantly reinforce it, then they're engaged in the organization. They feel that they belong. Mm-hmm. They feel they've got a purpose themselves. What's one way you in, enforce and, re, and remind those workers of that? Well, through communication, through ensuring that whoever that's communicating through in their facility, in their environment, mm-hmm. in their country, talks about the stories, highlights stories of good, you know, mm-hmm. highlights employees that are doing a fantastic job, relating it back to our values, relating it back to our purpose. Mm-hmm. People understand it and they get it and it's total reinforcement as well as reward, actually, because just by talking about these things, there's a certain sense of pride that comes with that, yeah. you know, and we just want people to walk off from our organization feeling proud to work for the company and ensuring that their families are proud that they work for the company. Mm-hmm. You know, that, then we've done, then we've got the golden ticket, you know, that, and this, it's not by, you know, it's not by accident, if I'm honest, and I can be so brazen to say, we've gone up the ranks to be the best company in the world to work for, because there's so much that contributes to that. Mm-hmm. I just long hope it continues and we can build and strengthen that over the course of the next few years. You've you know? been through a global pandemic and operated in nearly every country, and you're the world's best. We've I not think done you too can bad. Continue. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Let's switch gears a bit and um, get to know you a little bit more. Okay. Ooh. So you've been in <laughs> HR for most of your career. No. You have no, not. No, I'm not an HR history. Uh, I'm not an HR professional by trade. I'm an IT guy. You're an IT guy. <laughs> Not many people know that. Yeah. How did uh, you get here? Well, I'm an IT and a mathematician. So oh dear. my uh, degree was a dual honours in computer science uh, programming. Okay. Uh, and applied in pure mathematics. I don't know. I know. I can. You know, I can see you looking at me. I don't know. However, that was. But <laughs> um, but that was my history. Yeah. So I'm curious to hear your answer then to this question. Uh, what what advice would you give yourself would you go back and give yourself before you entered the workforce which is in IT everyone else I've spoken with of course is in the HR space so I'm yeah. curious you know I, you know I, maybe it, tra- it transcends I don't yeah and I don't think I'd well if I had to go back and say something mm-hmm. I think I'd just turn around and say carry on what you're doing this is going to be the ride of your life just get ready for it 
but I'm not going to tell you anything about it because you may want to try and change a few things. And I think that's what I'd say. But just carry on, you'll be absolutely fine. Because I love what I'm doing, you know. I know I'm in my sweet spot now. I'm really passionate about it. Yeah. Um, and, it, and all those decisions you made along the way, of course, and, and, got and, you here. Yeah, and, and to be fair, one thing that I always think to myself is my IT and my mathematics background mm -hmm. taught me to think in a certain way. And I think, and I can't, I can't really quantify this, but I really do believe that the way I think now in my role today, based on computer science and mathematics, mm -hmm. really gives me a different way of looking at things than many other people that I know or I've met before. And it complements that other thinking, so it mm -hmm. makes it much better from a team perspective with everybody to be working together with them. So I don't think I'd go back and say anything. I'd, I'd just say, look, you, you'll, have, you'll have the ride of your life. So just carry on, yes. keep your head down, work hard, and play hard, and which is what I've done for the last 20 years. So I can't really complain about that. So. I saw you, have a, you brought a book in with you. Um, yes, I'm reading a book at the moment. What, yeah, yeah, what are you reading and why, why should we also read it? Right, this is, well, it's, this is a really interesting book. The book is called Why Has Nobody Told Me This Before? And it, it's a book by um, a lady called Dr. Julie Smith. Mm -hmm. And she, um, she, if I recall why, I bought, this is the second time I've read this book, if I'm honest. And I, and I was sorting through my office a couple of weeks ago and I, was, I found the book again and I thought, you know what, I'm going to read this again. And it's a, um, it's a, Julie Smith is a, Dr. Julie Smith is a therapist, okay? And she takes lessons from therapy that she does with her clients, mm -hmm. but actually it's more life skill, not necessarily designed for a certain therapeutic method. Mm -hmm. And she's taken those like life skill and really contextualized and understood them and makes it easy for a layman who's not a therapist to really understand how you can be. Mm -hmm. And it was, it, I, re I remember reading it the first time and a lot of the messages- How long ago did you read it? Oh, not that long, time. not that long. It's only probably a, two years or okay. 18 months, yeah. And so I've just picked it up again. Um, and I started to read it actually on the plane on the way over. I'm about 50 pages into it, but I'll probably finish it in the next couple of weeks again. But it's starting to flood back some of the, some of the messaging. And it's really around how to think, how to be chilled, how to get rid of stress. Um, what is a low mood and how do you deal with it? Um, it's really, really interesting. Um, and I love that type of stuff because I'm not a negative person. I'm very, very lucky. Mm -hmm. um, I always uh, looked at the bright side of life and, mm -hmm. you know, everything. I don't, I find enjoyment in everything, you know, and I'm not overly happy, don't get me wrong, but, you know. You're I'm, grateful. I'm, yeah, and I'm not a pessimistic person in any way. And, you know, I'm just happy with life, so. So what's something you've, that's percolating from the book that you're reading? No, it's just more about, you know, how to manage stress or how to manage mm -hmm. your mind if you get negative thoughts, if you're in a low mood, mm -hmm. um, how to manage and deal with that and yeah. how to look Which at we it. All and we all get it. Everyone exactly. gets it. And that's Even why the I most think, optimistic, grateful person. And that's it. And, and I think that's why this book's so important because you don't have to be going through a depressive time to go through therapy to learn the lessons from that. It's a really, it's on reflection, when you really sit and think about it, 
it's it's really a, an important piece. In fact, I'll share something with you because I, when I read the book the first time, I um, wrote down three things and I have a note on my phone that I ask myself questions. And I don't do it every day. You're, I was going to ask. No. Are you supposed... Is yeah, the I, idea I think the morning? idea is that you do it every day, but don't okay. get me wrong. I mean, you know... Yeah, you're a busy it's, guy. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and it's, it's not a habit, but I do look at it regularly, I'd say, maybe twice a week, two or three times Putting a week. Putting it on your phone is a good idea. Yeah, exactly. Then you can and I'm always looking up. at notes on my phone for different things. And when I find it, I do sit down and think about it. And if I get five or ten minutes, I do think. But I always ask at the beginning of the day, I ask myself, what are the two or three things that... I'm really going to do today small things that aim towards my goal or my goals, you know, whether it's personal goals or work goals. Any goals. Any goals. Life. Yeah. But then at the end of the day, I spend some time to reflect on it and did I do those two or three things or not and why? Um, But also the biggest thing is I, I ask myself, you know, and this is a really interesting question, what are two or three things that I'm grateful for? What gratitude do I have or thankful for things that have happened today? Mm-hmm. Again, it can be tiny things, but it just puts life into perspective sometimes. And I just sit and think, you know what? Life's good, actually. And, and that doesn't mean to say that bad things don't happen. But, but you can find the good. You can find some things that can motivate you. Even if you've had the worst day mm-hmm. and you're in the lowest mood, you can still find the odd things that can really motivate you. So that's what that book gave me. Um, and that's what I asked. I have it on my phone as a note. So it's a, uh, that's the, that's what was I'm reading. Was there a third question? Did you say there no, were three questions? No, that was it. So the, one was the two or three things towards my goals. The second yeah. one was, have I done them? Oh, and then the, and third, then the third is, third one what is are you the grateful thankful, for? The gratitude, yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. This is along the same lines of mental health and well-being, mm. and um, you know you've touched on it. Actually, this is probably your answer on how do you create a sense of wellness for yourself, day in and day out? Is it asking these questions, taking time for yourself? Um, it, yes, but I am a huge, huge proponent of work-life balance. I, I, okay, don't get me wrong. I'm away now. I'm in the US and I travel a lot for work Mm -hmm. so I'm not always at home but I'm a huge believer in work-life balance and when I say that what do I mean what I mean is we shouldn't have to be constantly switched on all day Mm -hmm. it's not appropriate and I tell all my team this all of them all the way down the organization I do not want anybody to come to me and tell me that they don't have a work-life balance because of what we're doing in our team. And if it's coming to that point, you need to highlight it. Now, don't get me wrong. That doesn't mean to say that one day in the next four weeks, you have to work two or three hours mm-hmm. more extended than what you ever thought you would. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, it's a big issue. Mm-hmm. Because we do have to work and we do have to apply ourselves. And if you want to go further in the world and you want a huge career you do have to do things like that every now and again Mm -hmm. but it shouldn't be constant you have to have a life it's not the norm right you have to have a life and and it's small things that can help with that so if i'm away then i don't work because i'm away from home from eight in the morning until 8 p.m 9 p.m at night i finish at five and maybe i'll go to a dinner with colleagues from Mm -hmm. work and i don't necessarily class that as work in many ways but I might also say, okay, I'm finishing at five. I'm in Singapore. I'm going to go for a walk around 
the lake. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go to the Marina Bay Sands and go and have a pot around and go for a coffee. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go and get a massage in the hotel. I make sure I make time for myself mm-hmm. and really stop for five minutes and think, I'm going to have the balance here even though I'm away. So that's one thing I do. The other thing which I'm, I find super important is, and my team may disagree with me here, but I always, always try never, ever to send an email after midday on a Friday until Monday morning. Oh, after midday. After midday on a Friday till Monday morning, I try my best not to send an email because as soon as I send an email, the knock-on effect of me sending one email, which I genuinely might think is nothing, and it's more selfish of me to get it out of my mind to someone else, Before it the creates hits. a knock-on chain effect. And all of a sudden at 4 p.m. on a Friday afternoon, you've got five people doing things that are just supposed to be finishing off the end of their week because they're worried because I've asked a question at 2 p.m. So I do my best constantly to never send an email after midday on a Friday and definitely, definitely not over a weekend. Ever? No. I, I, and if I, well, every now Did and again... Did that hold true during the pandemic? Yeah. Yeah. For, for, yes, because for me, it was about my team ensuring they were with their families and looking yeah. after where they are at home. But I think one of the things for me, actually, with this is, every now and again, I do send the odd thing. And, and, and no one's perfect. That's my rule. It's my own rule. Mm-hmm. But what that doesn't mean is that I don't do work. Because if I find I'm comfortable because I have an hour on a Sunday afternoon where I'm sat on my own and I'd like to prepare myself for the week ahead so I don't get a little stressed on a Sunday night before I go to bed and I think to myself I'm just going to go through my emails then I do but what I do is I run through my emails I reply and I save everything to the draft and then my inbox is empty I've answered what I need to answer I wake up on Monday morning the first thing I do is go into my draft folder and I send all my emails. So no one's received anything before Monday when they get back into the office. Mm -hmm. So I'm a huge believer in that. I might say to my team, don't do it, please don't do it. Because I also don't want to receive an email on a Saturday or a Sunday because I'll read it if it comes in because you all know what happens. You've got your phone, you're looking at, I don't know, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and it goes and you go, oh, I've got an email. You don't leave it. The first thing you do is look at it you know, no one's going to leave it. So I say to people, please don't send me an email. It's not, I'm, I'm, I don't like it. Right. And, it's, and I say it to my boss as well. You go and ask Thomas, Thomas Ogilvy, who's the, uh, uh, the board member for HR for Deutsche Post. Yeah. I say to him as well, please don't send me an email on a Friday night because as soon as you send it, I'm now distracted for two days. Yeah, you know? yeah. So yeah. You practice it's, what it's you a, preach. It's, exactly. It's a work in progress uh, with everyone. Uh, yeah. But that's what I like to do to keep my wellness, to keep my uh, balance. Yeah. Rick, thanks for joining us today. No, it was, it's fine. It was a absolute it's been a pleasure. pleasure. Yeah, and for me, I really enjoyed it. Thank I you. enjoyed the conversation. Yeah. Excellent. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Better. You can stream this and previous episodes wherever podcasts are available.